Sorry to disappoint you So what was your expectation? Nah, I'm just an everyday dude Oh, you expected perfection? This is what Christianity is supposed to be like I make mistakes Like, lots of mistakes I'm just trying to do the best that I can do I guess I'm just imperfectly human Hey, welcome back Um, I guess that's a welcome back for you, a welcome back for me. I know I've been missing for a while, but we will get back into that. Um, So this is the Imperfectly Human podcast. I am your host, Mr. Daly. (laughs) Haven't said that in a while, but um, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm looking forward to this. I want to wish everyone a very prosperous 2024 a uh, very happy new year. Hope you've got some big plans. You've got um, some milestones you want to hit. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to say goals. It's going. I'm going to say milestones because we don't stop. We just keep growing. We keep pushing, and we keep reaching for more. Um, you know, for me personally, it's about seeing um, what my journey is like, what I can achieve, even when I, I, um, have some setbacks and, um, you know, my confidence is knocked or whatever. Um, I get up and I keep going to see what I can achieve. So today's going to be an interesting one. We're going to dive into it. Um, uh, basically this episode is called welcome back it's a discussion on where i've been what i've been up to and what this show is now about so i look forward to sharing that with you i look forward to getting into that um we've got a new format we've got a new layout um some more some consistency going forward so yeah it's going to be real good it's going to be real good so let's go. Before we dive into things, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review for the podcast. It really helps a long way in helping the podcast grow. As you know, right now, I am the only member of this production team. Um, I've had to stop the YouTube side because I just can't sustain um, it on my own. So being able to grow would allow us to reintroduce the YouTube side of the podcast. So that can only happen if we get the subscribers, if we get the reviews and the feedback and we get the recognition by the bigger platforms. So please, if you enjoy the content, share it and subscribe to the podcast. So we are back. I am back. Um, And uh, let's dive straight into this. So today I said we're going to be focusing on, um, I guess, a couple of things. So I'm going to talk to you about why I took a break from podcasting, where I've been for the last two years, and then uh, what this show is now about. So uh, for those of you who have been subscribed for a while, who've been following the journey for a while. Season one was myself and Dr. Terence Johnson, and we were diving into loads of biblical topics, really enjoyed it, really good. Um, 
And that will feed into my reason for taking a break from podcasting. Season two, I came back by myself and it became a podcast about my entrepreneurial journey as a Christian. And I shared tips. Um, I started to do interview series um, and just different things that related to that journey of an entrepreneur and trying to put that Christian vibe on it and show, you know, show how I have to deal with certain challenges as a Christian. So that concept is still, I guess it's still relevant, but again, it's part of the reason I took a break. And um, so we're now in season three. And as I said, the last point that I'm going to get to is what this show is now about. So why did I take the break? So If I'm honest, the first and probably the most important reason um, I took the break was mental fatigue. I'd got to a point where it felt like a struggle every week to um, prepare and record the podcast. Um, I was struggling for what I wanted to talk about. I was struggling for... Um, just a number of reasons, but mentally I wasn't there. I wasn't connecting with the podcast anymore. Um, and it meant that I felt like I wasn't giving you my authentic self. So I could come in, I could switch it on. I could be, um, in the moment, live, vibrant, all that good stuff. I could do all of that once the microphone came on. That's not that hard, but For me, podcasting involves giving you some well-curated content. And that means I've sat aside and I've thought about what I'm doing and I've put the work in to actually create this content and share my honest opinions with you. Whereas I felt what I was doing at that point was very spontaneous. And spontaneous is cool. Um, For those of you who listened to the Daily Perspective while that ran, um, it was very spontaneous. I used to jump on stereo with a bunch of random people and just talk about anything. So anything could happen on that podcast. And that was actually really fun. I really enjoyed that. It was wild. I had people coming on and I used to say, look, this is, you know, I'm trying to inject the Christianity and the honesty. But for for listeners, you've got to be aware that there's going to be some cursing. I can't control what people come on and say, um, but I want to give you the real. And I loved it because it pushed me out of my comfort zone a lot of the times because I, I really, truly had no control over what people came on and, and, and did. Um, But when it came to Imperfectly Human, Imperfectly Human was the structured show. It was the one that had to have the boundaries. It was the one that had to have the plan. It was the one that had to have its stuff in order. And, um, you know, I'm I'm looking at the sidelines and uh, I'm looking on the show and the show is looking at me like, yo, uh, let's, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm there looking back at the show like, I don't know what we're doing. What, what are we doing? That was not a good place to be in. And that was what the mental fatigue was. It was just 
I had no idea what I wanted to do anymore. Um, and I guess that, well, it's going to tie into another point. But um, I'm a creative guy. I don't struggle to come up with ideas. I don't struggle to come up with concepts. Um, but you get to a point where there is so much pulling on you that creating um, can sometimes be a challenge. And then put, to, put the, that disconnect into it and that fatigue sets in, really sets in really quickly. Um, because, you know, you, you haven't got that... What am I, what's the word I'm looking for? You haven't... It's not that the passion isn't there. The passion is still there. But you haven't got that... Um, that drive to get up and just do it. You're still passionate about it. The passion didn't go. But every every time feels like a chore. And that was the problem. That's when I knew, okay, we're hitting a wall. We're, we're, we're tired. We're fatigued. What's going on? We need, we need to change something up. We need to switch this up. So that was point one. Uh, second part of it was um, all the way back to the end of season one. Um, I was getting ready for season two. Uh, reached out to Dr. Johnson. I was like, yo, season two, what are we doing? You ready to come back? Let's do this. We just had a break. I'm pumped. Let's get this. And it was like, uh, yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you, um, but I need to focus on my own thing. And it was like, boom, crumble. It, it was like slamming into a brick wall and everything just falling apart. That's how I felt because suddenly I had this plan in my head of what the show was going to be like. And it wasn't going to be like that anymore. And I guess the connection, the rapport, um, the chemistry that I felt we'd built up on the show suddenly just disappeared. It was gone like that in an instant. Poof. Um, no more, no more co-host. It was me on my own and I had to figure it out. And, um, and then I tried to, so, you know, I tried to reach out to a few people that I knew and I was like, hey, do you want to, do you want to do this podcast with me? Um, it would be a good, I think you'd enjoy it. I think, you know, we could have some good chemistry and it was like, shut down, shut down, shut down, palm in the face, pie in the face, shut down. Everywhere I turned felt like, um, no one was on it with me. So I felt this. I guess that's the abandonment that I felt. So I felt abandoned by uh, my co-host. Um, and then, so this, yeah, it's not really, the second part wasn't abandonment. It was, there was the abandonment from my co-host. And then there was the rejection from all the potential co-hosts that I approached. And all of a sudden, this plan that I had in my head for season two went out the window. And I had to think on the fly and come up with a new idea for season two. 
um, because I would, I had already been saying, yo, season two's coming back, um, and I wasn't going to delay it. Now, you would think that I had learned from mistakes that I'd made in the past when I used to run an independent label, sold out edutainment. Um, the release of my solo album, Return of the Sleeping Giant, uh, available on Spotify, you can go and get it from there. Um, but yeah, when I was working on re- release of the um, Return of the Sleeping Giant, I had recorded, I think, about 60-70% of the album. Really happy with the content. And then I got on social media, got on platforms, did interviews, and I was telling people, hey, yo, um, Return of the Sleeping Giant is going to drop this date. This is when the album's coming out. It's coming out this date. We're going to be doing it. We're doing big things. We're going to be... And I was I was going off. And then um, my... Because I was recording on a Windows machine at the time. Anyone that knows Windows from back in the 90s, 2000s, Windows machines then, I don't even know, because I, I don't use Windows anymore, but uh, Windows machines used to suffer the blue screen of death. And I went to the studio one day, hooked everything up, and blue screen of death. Lost everything. All the recorded tracks, all the audio, everything was gone. No backups. And I'm like, it's October and the release date is November. What am I going to do? So I soldiered on and re-recorded the album. And um, yeah, if I'm honest, the second cuts of those songs were worse than the first cuts because they were rushed. It didn't have that. Um, it didn't have that magic. It didn't have that natural feel because when I was recording them the first time, um, I had that space to, you know, I would do a take of a verse and I'd be like, no, nah, I don't like that. I don't like the way I said that word. I don't like those the, the way that bar fits with that one so I would go back and um, I would record again rather than doing what we do what's in the industry is called punching in Um, rather than punching in and and, you know jump picking up from where the verse ended um, or where I dropped off in the verse and trying to match the pitch trying to match um Everything, um, the, tic- the diction had to be the same. Everything had to be the same when you punch in. You have to make it seem like a seamless joint. And I'd just be like, and to be fair, that's an, it's an art form in itself to be able to punch in and, and for it not to be recognizable that you've punched in. But um, I would just re-record. I would re-record the whole bar, um, I'm sorry, the, the whole verse and get the get the 16 right, how I wanted it to sound, do it in one take so it flowed consistently, sounded the same. Um, I had the luxury to do that. But when I was doing it the second time, I had to punch in. And I could tell, maybe some people listening, I think professionals listening to it, would be able to tell that I punched in. Um, 
I definitely could tell that I punched in in certain places and it just didn't have the same feel. It was, you could feel that. I definitely could feel that it was rushed. I could, I just did not like the end product. And I vowed that I would never sort of put a date out there and um, say, hey, the show's coming back or the um, album is coming out or whatever on this date because it meant that I put this undue pressure on myself that I had to hit this ridiculous target date that I've set. It's not like the industry has set the date on me and people are waiting on the date. I put the date out there. So I've put this ridiculous target out there um, and just made it difficult for myself. So I, I, I vowed never to make that mistake. And here I was again with the podcast in the position where I'd been talking about coming back and um, saying, get ready, myself and Dr. Dr. Johnson are coming back, we're doing this, we're doing that. And then I realized, hey, <laughs> Dr. Johnson ain't coming back, dog. <laughs> so I was just like, um, it was just me. It was just me on my own. Um, and here I was. What am I going to do? So that feeling of, of abandonment played in leading me to to come up with an idea pretty quick. And it's pro- it wasn't the idea that I, if I'd sat back and really thought about what I wanted the podcast to be on my own, um, what season two was did not fit in with what the podcast, I mean, it, it doesn't even fit, it didn't even fit in with, with the title. I mean, Imperfectly Human, what did that have to do with um, my entrepreneurial journey? You know, I, I just kind of forced it and blagged it and kind of said, yeah, 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 this is this, is, this is that. It, it didn't fit. And that became evident throughout the season as I struggled to put content out. Um, and by the end of it, I felt lost. So third point, by the end of it, I was completely lost. I didn't know what I was doing. I no longer had a desire to record the podcast because I did. I couldn't find my identity in that podcast anymore. It didn't reflect um, who I was. It didn't respect, re, not respect, reflect my vision of what I wanted in, imperfectly human to be. And um, I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'd actually planned to do something like 21, 22 um, episodes for season two and I checked out at 19 because I was like I'm not doing this anymore okay I'm not I'm not doing it and um yeah that was it I bowed out and I expected to take a few months break um but that wasn't the case so flowing on into where have I been for the last two years I've been right here (laughs) <laughs> I've been, I'm in the same spot, still living in the same spot. Um, I hadn't intended to be living in the same pot, spot, but that's uh, that's part of the journey. Um, but yeah, um, over the last two years, I've still been in the same industry. Um, had I dreamed to change industry? Of course I had. I had dreamed that I would have got this podcast to a point where I could transition to a full-time career in podcasting. 
um, that hasn't happened, and that's fine. Um, it's just because I didn't hit that milestone because it wasn't a goal. It was a it was a milestone that I was hoping for. I've just had to move the the milestone out. Why didn't I hit it? Well, uh, I took a two year break. So hey hell, that's what happens. Um, it's all about readjusting, repositioning yourself, picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, and keep keeping you know keep moving. So. Over the two years, what have I been doing? I've been spending time with my family. Um, I'd got to a point in life where I was, I think, very focused on what I was doing and not enough focus on what they needed. Um, That's not to say that I wasn't fulfilling my role as a husband and a father. I take that stuff so seriously. It's part... It's, those are two hats that I wear proudly and nothing comes before those hats. You know, husband and father. Those are super important responsibilities to me. But when I say that I hadn't really been concentrating on what they needed as much as I should have, um, I was always busy with work jumping straight off work into the podcast and I would have conversations with them. I would help with homework in between. Um, I would try and have some conversation with my wife and all of that stuff. But I was literally moving from one thing to another, to another. And then the day was done. And then the kids will have activities all weekend. And then the week starts again and the cycle repeats. So whilst I was there and I was present, I was present doing doing the things that needed to be done. And that's not the same as spending time. Um, for me, spending time means giving of myself with zero distractions. Um, being able to sit down and do what they want to do rather than you know, doing what they want to do when they want to do it, how they want to do it, rather than doing what they want to do when it fits with, with my timetable and within the available space that I've, I've allotted them within my schedule. Two very different things. Both can sound the same. You're still getting the output. But in the second iteration, I'm the, I'm the one that's satisfied because it fits in with what I want. And sometimes when you're wearing those hats, you have to appreciate that it's not going to fit in um, with your schedule. But that's the beauty of being a husband and being a, being a father, being able to sacrifice. Um, learning to be a servant leader in your home um, as a husband and a, and a father is so important. And, and that's what I've been working on for the last two years, being a servant leader. Um, I'm still being the provider. I'm still being the spiritual head of my home. I'm still praying for my family. I'm still um, encouraging them and doing all of that. But I'm serving them more. I'm putting aside my needs to serve them more. And then um, I guess over the two years uh, or the or the most recent part of it is the, is a new addition to the family so um 
that's made that servitude even more important because now I have um, a young man that I'm going to have to help develop into a man. I'm going to have to help him understand what manhood is and what being um, a man really means from a biblical context in this modern world, Um, which is back to the meaning of why or the reason I created Imperfectly Human. So, um, yeah, it's been a crazy roller coaster for two years, but a lot of it has been focusing on spending that time, that's learning how to be a servant leader in my home. The other part was rediscovering myself. Um, as I said, season two did not really connect with who I wanted to be on or No, that's wrong. That's not the right way to phrase it. Season two did not align my vision um, for Imperfectly Human. It did not align with my vision for Imperfectly Human. And my vision for Imperfectly Human involved or was me giving myself to you as the audience and being the open book that I like to be and be being super transparent. And I wasn't, it wasn't that I was being, it was very structured. It was actually more like, um, marketing content because there was always a call to action to get to engage with me from a business perspective and blah, 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 blah. It wasn't really what I wanted it to be. And I think it just it, it sucked the magic out of it. Um, so, yeah, I had to go back to the drawing board and think about, hey, who am I in this moment? Have, ha, who I am as a person, has that fundamentally changed? And, and it hadn't. I knew it hadn't. But I had to reconnect with who I was. I had to focus on who... I was created to be and the gifts that I've been given and not the hats that I wear. Um, And again, if you go back to season one, you'll hear myself and Dr. Johnson talk about that, um, about understanding your purpose, understanding um, your your self-identity and being able to separate the hats you wear from who you are. Um, I also spent some time rediscovering friendships. So um, one of the the important things in life is being able to to be a good friend to people. And sometimes being a good friend to people is um, being able to forgive. um, Being able to, again, like serving your family, serve your friends with no expectations on them. So I had to learn to do that again, make sure that in my friendships, I was being transparent, I was being honest, I was giving of myself, I wasn't holding grudges, I had no resentment. Um, And that was good, that was a good experience, going back to do that and make sure I was being genuine in who I was in, in, in friendship. And lastly, over the last two years, I've been dealing with drama. (laughs) Um, 
And I guess that's life, isn't it? Life goes, life throws drama at us 24-7. There have been numerous failed attempts to sell our home and move um, because the market has changed so much. Um, And did I did I make the right choice when I when I moved here? I don't think so. I don't believe I made the right choice. I don't believe we as a family made the right choice. In the short term, it made sense, um, but we didn't really examine the area as much as we should have. And was it a good fit for our family? No, it wasn't. So it's been a struggle living here. Um, but I don't believe things happen by accident. I believe there is a reason that God allowed us to move here. Um, so I'm, I'm experiencing, I feel like this is, and you're probably going to hear me talk about this quite a lot this time because I'm going to draw the parallels. Um, but I feel like the Israelites in the wilderness. I feel like at the moment in this this house, this is our wilderness. Not to say that we won't, you know, we're, we're not going to be like the Israelites and not see the promised land. That's a spoiler for what I'm going to talk about later. But um, I believe that we will see our promised land, but we have to go through our journey in the wilderness and we have to remind ourselves and this in this moment in, and in this time we have to teach our children how to be wholly dependent on God and how to trust trust in God with everything even when it doesn't seem to make sense even when the your plans aren't coming to pass um and teaching them that hey we can make our own plans but we must commit these plans to to God because ultimately he holds our destiny in the palms of his hands and he has he knows our beginning and our end he knew our end before our beginning and he knew um the decisions that we would make and the journey that we would take so learning to trust and to say hey God um I hand this back to you and um I ask you to to sh- guide me and to show me the right way and the right decisions to make and even if I take the wrong this take the wrong turn help me to find my way back onto the right path sometimes that journey through the wilderness will take longer than it should it depends on your pride it depends on how stubborn you are it depends on how obedient you are um the bible does say obedience is better than sacrifice um and I'm learning that uh because sometimes you you feel like you're being told to do something and you don't do it and you think oh, I'm going to do it this way and uh, that that can't be God wouldn't tell me to do to do that but um when you read the scriptures and and look I'm not talking about an audible voice telling me um you know as Christians some people hey some people probably some people might still hear an audible voice I have never heard an audible voice uh, the, the audible voice of God I'm not saying that it's not possible I'm just saying it's never happened with me for me, when I when I hear from God, I hear from God through the Scripture. I hear from um, from God through people. I might be praying about something, and someone comes and says something about that thing and confirms what I've been praying about. So I'm very conscious to listen to the people around me that I believe God has placed around me. I'm not talking about just listening to 
to to Tim off the street. I'm talking about listen to um, the godly people that God has put around you, because through those people he was he will confirm his will for you. Um, through his word he will confirm his will for you. So it kind of reiterates that importance of of digging into the scripture and understand understanding the scripture and 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 doing all of that. Anyway, I I digress. I was talking about the drama. But like I said, I believe we're in, our, in, a, in a wilderness period. We're making our journey through the wilderness and we're learning. And we will come out of the wilderness. Um, but right now, I'm, I'm allowing the journey to refine me and to refine my family and to help me to teach my children to trust in God. That's, that's the journey we're going on. Um, the drama... Um, man, it's not something I can get into on this, but yeah, let's just say the drama was dramaing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if that's a phrase. I don't even know that's a thing. But the drama had its own drama. Um, put it this way: I had to, you know, this stuff had been building up for years, building up for for years. But um, it was like. And I felt like this was God bringing certain chapters of my life to a close. But in the same way that, um, imagine running into a wall. A wall is like a bookend. That was a, this was a bookend to a certain chapter of my life. And sometimes it, the end of something can be painful. And I, I believe the drama that I went through was related to that there was a lot of legal drama with with previous businesses and stuff like that and yeah it wasn't fun it wasn't pretty it cost me it cost me um emotionally it cost me financially it cost me um in terms of my peace at a certain point and i had to to rediscover my peace and find my peace in god and learn you know, to say, um, so, so shall it be. And what I mean by that is to look at a situation and say, if this is your will, God, then so shall it be. I hand it back to you. And I had to allow God to work through every situation. The painful ones were... Um, trying to move and having that constantly fall fall through. But I truly believe it's because we weren't supposed to move yet. And when we are supposed to move, when we are supposed to leave the wilderness, it will happen. I think if we had moved, we would have left the wilderness prematurely and we wouldn't have learned the lessons that we, we need to learn to succeed when we enter our promised land. And that's the, that's all I'm going to say on that. So, um, what is the show about now? The show now is about me. It's me giving, as I said, it's about me giving you my honest opinion. It's about me get, being transparent. Um, I'm going to do my best without... Um, disrespecting my family or disrespect you know disrespecting my wife or my loved ones um 
with the stories that I share and things like that, I will be as honest and as transparent as I can, but with making sure I maintain respect for them. So if I can't talk about something, I can't talk about it point blank. Um, but I will be as transparent as possible um, because that's just who I am. And everything about me really is about helping others. So when I, when I said the show had moved away, I was choking there for a second, forgive me. Um, when I say the show, when I said the show had moved away from what the vision I had for Imperfectly Human, what I meant was that I always saw Imperfectly Human as an, as an extension of myself, something that allowed me to help others. I believe my purpose in this world is to help others. No other way. So everything I do must center back to that. I was created to help others. I was created to be a catalyst for others. I was created to be a facilitator for others. Um, and, and that's it, point blank. So imperfectly human has to do that. It has to help others. And that's why I said, again, season two was about helping myself. And that's why it felt so disconnected with, with my vision. Um, season two, sorry, season three, I'm going to share my ups and downs in life, in business, um, in friendship. I'm going to give you the real. So I will also be giving you, so whilst I say I'm going to talk about business, I'm not going to be, it's not going to be like, oh, and my tip for today, I'm not doing none of that stuff anymore. Now, forget that. Um, I don't need to teach you tools and techniques, but I will be talking about what I'm doing. So I have, I have repurposed my business. I focus now on coaching because again, remember what I said just now, my, I understand that my purpose is to help others. So my focus now is to move my business from what I was doing in the consulting space purely into coaching others who want to enter that consulting space, especially in the area of business analysis. Um, and I will expand my coaching into other areas as, um, as they become more apparent to me. Right now, this is the one that I know that I can do um, confidently. Um, that's not to say that there aren't other areas I can coach in, but um, this is the one that I that that stands out to me. So I'm going to focus on that. So that's what I do. So I will talk about it. I will talk about my ups and downs. Right now, the the biggest up was understanding what I should be focusing on in business. The the down is what it always is, business development. Business development is the bane of my life. I am not great at it. I'm not going to lie. Um, like I said, I will always be transparent. I am not great at the business development side, especially with an introverted personality. And you have to go out and you have to do networking and all of that stuff. I am not the greatest in that space. So, um, that is the biggest challenge, that is the biggest down, because right now, because I am positioning something new, I need to do a lot of business development. 
So I'm trying to learn how to do it in a way that works for me and works with my personality type. But that's the biggest down right now. And I'm sure it's going to have some um, funny moments, some good moments, some highs and lows. And we will talk about them as they happen. But they're not the focus of the show. Um, What else? I'm going to be talking about life as a Christian and trying to be a better Christian. Now, this is something that I hope that a lot of my audience can resonate with. Um, I don't know. The majority of my audience may not be Christians. They may be Christians. They may not be. You know what I mean? Um, But if you are a person of faith, you will understand that in this world that we live in, it is extremely challenging to live a Christian life. And what I mean by that is not that you do not desire to live a Christian life. You are surrounded by things that will challenge your desire to live a Christian life. You are surrounded by things that will try to tempt you to compromise on your desire to live a the best Christian life that you can. And um, I'm going to talk about these things because there are challenges as a husband, there are challenges as a father, there are challenges just as a member of society. Um, And a lot of that comes down to your dedication to studying scripture, studying the word, and also applying the scriptures to your life. The more you get into that habit, the more you focus on it, the more you dig into it, the more you make it, um, the more you make it part of your routine, I think the easier it, it becomes. But no word of a lie, it is not an easy thing to do. It is not an easy feat to achieve. So, yeah, I'm going to definitely, definitely share about that. Um, leading on from that, I expect this show to also be very transparent about my failings. Um, like I said, I'm in, this show is called Imperfectly Human, and that is what I want to show. I want to show the humanity. I want to show the human side. I want to make sure that you see that I am not this robot that tries to pretend to be um, perfect because I am far from it. So we're definitely going to talk about my failings and my challenges and where I need to, uh, step it up and learn to be better. Uh, and uh, lastly, it's just going to be about keeping it, keeping it real and having fun. Um, I'm going to try to have some guests on the show. Um, I don't, I, I think whenever we have guests on the show, it is fun. Um, but I definitely want the guests to be people that, that think like me. Oh no, 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 that's not fair. Um, I want them I want it to be people that I connect with, people that I know that I can have um a humorous um but real conversation with. I don't want dry conversations. I want people that can laugh whilst talking about real serious stuff. Um because sometimes, you know, when talking about serious things requires a little bit of laughter, a little bit of humor. Um that's just the way I see it. But we're definitely going to keep it real and we're definitely going to be having fun. 
And um, yeah, that's what the show is about. That is what we are going to be doing. So, 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 so. Let me lay it out to you because, as I mentioned, there is a new structure, a new format for um, Imperfectly Human. So, we've got segments, y'all. We have got segments now. So, we have... We will always open with our intro. Our intro is called Stumbling Out the Gate. So when you're looking through those chapters or, you know, those book, those um, section markers in the, for the podcast, if you want to jump around, don't jump around the podcast. Don't skip to the end. Don't skip segments. Listen to the whole thing. But, 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 but if you must use those markers, segment one. Out the gate, stumbling out the gate. This is our intro. This is where we're going to set things up for what's happening in, um, on the show. Uh, then we're going to have the main content area. And, and um, main content will be rotating segments, okay? So, um, like I said, I want to keep it, I want to keep it um, interesting. So, we will always have, sorry, not we will always, we will always have the main segment. Of course, we will always have the main segment. But um, there are a few things that fall into it. Uh, Faith and Hustle. Faith and Hustle is a segment that will talk about ups and downs in business with that uh, Christian values. Uh, Daddy Dilemmas. (laughs) I'm going to talk to you about parenting stories. Um, And boy, I've got some parenting stories. Um, uh, we're going to talk about friendly fire. So friendly fire is, um, an open conversation about friendships, navigating conflicts, building stronger bonds. Um, I'm going to talk about my friendships because, Hey, I've got some good friendships, but these friendships have also been tested. Um, and I might, do you know what? I might actually get, see if I can get some of my friends on to come and talk about um, when we, when, whenever I'm doing a segment on Friendly Fire. I might have my friends as a guest. Um, and Daily Perspective. Ha, I told you we we're going we to talk about Daily Perspective. So the Daily Perspective has been inc- incorporated into Imperfectly Human. It is now a segment within um, Imper- Imperfectly Human. Daily Perspective was always envisioned as something that talked about real life issues and what's going on in the world and and, and brought a Christian perspective to them. Um, whilst the name, some people took, um, made the assumption that daily meant that it was going to happen every day. But no, nah, wasn't, that wasn't a play on the words. Daily just meant my name, Mr. Daily. Daily perspective, Mr. Daily's perspective, daily perspective. Um, so it's now going to be part of a core part of this show. Uh, we will always have the daily perspective segment um, that talks about what's going on in the world and discussing some social issues and allowing me to share my personal stance. And lastly, soul searching is another core segment that we will have that um, allows me to share um, some stuff that I'm reflecting on from the Bible and as part of my spiritual journey. And Wrapping things up, the outro, we, which I'm calling, it's the last segment. I'm not sure, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure how we're doing this. Major takeaways from, the, you know, a takeaway message, whatever it may be. Um, 
But it's that last segment that we will use to calm ourselves down before we re-enter the real world. Um, you know, I, I, can't, I can't let you leave the um, imperfectly human world all hyped up and go back into the real world. You might, you might be liable to smack someone. And I, I don't, I don't want to be, in, you know, I, I don't want to be um, responsible for you smacking nobody. So, um, yeah, we're, we're going to try to bring you back down to earth on that with an imperfect wrap up. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to hopefully, if we can, I'd love to do some listener Q&As. Um, like I said, we're going to have some in, in interviews. Uh, we'll call them imperfect interviews. And um, hopefully, 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 we will try and do some community spotlights and share about um, some inspiring stories as well. So that's the new layout for the show. I'm excited. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to get into it. But anyway, that wraps up what I kind of wanted to talk about here. And we are going to jump into <laughs> drum roll, please. Daily Perspective. So um, on this installment of the Daily Perspective, I wanted to talk about a subject that's uh, commonplace in the news today, um, war. Um, you know, we've got the ongoing conflicts in Russia and the Ukraine um, and the ongoing conflict in uh, Israel and Palestine or in Gaza. And, um, it, you know, when this thing kicked off, I, like most Christians, um, was like, oh, well, you know, Israel are justified to take action. And then I was like, and if they seek to take Gaza, that's their biblical right, because God promised the land of Canaan to them. And, and I started to, you know, I went on that argument. Um, then my daughter kind of, well, my daughter challenged me. Um, let's just be honest about it. My daughter challenged me and she was like, dad, the, you know, the onslaught of Israel on Gaza is um, disproportionate in terms of the action they're taking. Um, and just to put that into context, um, I did a quick search today and just based on information from Al Jazeera, um, now obviously this could be, this. I'm not, I'm not, Staying that this is exact or spot on, but the estimate is that 23,357 people approximately have been killed in Gaza and more than 59,410 wounded based on the Israeli attacks. Um, and this is since October 7th. The revised death toll in Israel from the October 7th attack stands at 1,139 people. Still a lot. Now, on both sides, my issue... Um, wait, slow down. So my daughter challenged me and she said, look, Dad, 
I get it. They're 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 angry. They're going they're they're um. They are g- going to want to take action, like any nation would. But is it right that they are just killing people indiscriminately? And um, before, initially, I kind of stood. I was just like, well, you know, it's war. I was like, it's war. It's, they're going to be, you know, they are going to be attacking. And and I, I kind of looked at it from a very ignorant perspective, I think. I think I hid behind this view that, it was um, Israel's right to take the land, settle in the land, and then um, defend the land from anyone that sought to take the land from them. And they were justified in retaliating in whichever way they saw fit. That was my initial stance. And... I heard sermons that people were kind of saying, well, if you're a Christian, you should be behind Israel. And again, at that time, it made me feel justified in in my view. But then um, I'm a reflector. Everything about me is about reflection. I will always reflect on what I, on my position I will always go back and reconsider what um, the stance that I, that I had and and, um, and question it. So when I questioned this, and, and I didn't just blindly question it, I, I, I looked, you know, I considered my standpoint and wanted to critically argue my standpoint. But the first thing that stood out for me was you know just I've told you the numbers just the disproportionate um just level of it's it's the indiscriminate killing that's how I'm going to describe it um I've heard so many things that that and so many views that have said Israel in terms of defense, um, the IDF, Israeli Defense Force, um, have the best intelligence in the world. Um, Israeli defense is second to none. The fact that the, the attack happened baffles a lot of um, security experts, number one. Number two, the response... The IDF has such good intelligence and are so coordinated that there is no way that they should be killing so many innocent civilians um, in their response. I mean, 23,357 lives lost. Um, and this is this is what I always struggle with with war. War. At 
the agendas of people take front and center, in my opinion. Let, let me just put it this way. Um, you have... And and this is me. This may be me oversimplifying it. So you know, you may want to cancel me for this. I guess that's your opinion. You cancel me if you want. But predominantly, the people who cause these things tend to be political leaders, groups of individuals that have views that. Sometimes, a lot of the times, do not reflect the views of the people. Um, And they will use media and they will use whatever to drive their agenda and to make people believe a certain thing. But they have this intention, this agenda that they they are pushing. Um, And wars break out. Now, so, you know, we'll say that war is inevitable. And you can say, let's just, let's argue that, that war is inevitable. But in my view, in war, war is fought between armies, not civilians. Not not armies going in and killing innocent civilians. And this is where I started to struggle. That you are, we have such advanced technology in this world right now. Are you telling me that you are unable to limit the human casualties, the innocent human casualties, and keep that at a bare minimum, whilst taking out your military targets. If you felt that you couldn't use an aerial offensive to take down military targets without mitigating the risk of human innocent human casualties then you shouldn't be you shouldn't be using airstrikes or um an aerial assault just my view you have sufficient information then you should it should be a ground offensive that's just the way i i feel about it and i started to struggle with justifying this Because it just felt like slaughter. Hey, they've done this. We are going to go back in and we are going to slaughter everyone in Gaza. That's how it started to look to me. So I thought, um, okay, let me, let me, if I'm going to argue this from, from a biblical perspective, um, let me look back and let me just be clear. I am no, by no means justifying what Hamas did in, in Israel. Flat out wrong. They went and they killed innocent people. If you have political grievances and you have... I, I just can't stand the fact that people use innocent people as shields or um, pawns in their um, political games... At the end of the day, innocent people lost their lives in, in Israel. Innocent people are losing their lives in, in Gaza. And for that, I cannot stand for either. That's just my view. That is where I stand right now. I do not agree with the death of innocent people. Um, 
So with that said, I thought, let me, let me look at this. If I'm going to, as a Christian, if I'm going to try and stand on, on what I felt was right from a, from a Christian perspective, let me look at this. Um, and, you know, I've said there are people that were asserting that Christ, as Christians, we should be on the side of Israel because they're, because they're God's chosen people. And he, is, he has said in, um, in Genesis to Abraham that he gives the land, that he has given him the land of Canaan. Um, I did some research. What is the land of, how does modern Israel look um, or how does modern Israel compare to the biblical um, land of Canaan? And there is, so there is significant overlap. Um, the biblical land of Canaan is much bigger than mod- modern day Israel is today. Um, it covers the core of both regions, covers most of present day Israel, but also covers the Palestinian territories. Um, so it says the core region encompasses areas like Galilee, Judea, and Samaria. Um, the challenges, the boundaries of the land of Canaan are quite ambiguous. Um, and it says it could, it could refer to uh, present, all of present-day present Israel, the West Bank, Gaza, parts of Jordan, southern Syria, and even Lebanon. Um, whereas modern day Israel today has more defined borders. We know that because that's just the way the world works now. Now, um, I would argue then that if we're saying, if we're saying God gave the, the Israel, the people of Israel, the land of Canaan, well, why don't you, do you have, does Israel then have beef with Jordan and parts of Syria and Lebanon um you know is is that is that where this is going and if it is how does that differ from are, are they trying to exert their their biblical or or their right based on religious texts that the land belongs to them and therefore will they be going after these other areas i don't know but if we are, as Christians are saying that that is their right to do that, are we saying that they have a right to go after these other lands as well? Um, so that was one thing that that start that you know that I started to think about. Then um, I've been so I'm doing a, a Bible plan that's reading the Bible in a year, and as part of that plan, um, I'm I've been reading Numbers. And I'd like to just focus on Numbers 14. Numbers 14. um, In Numbers 14, God tells the people of Israel that they are no longer, that the people that were in the wilderness will not see. So I think it was anyone above the age of 20 that was in the wilderness at the time would not see the promised land. Because they held him in contempt and they rejected him 
as God. And he said that he would that none of them would enter the promised land. They would not see the land of Canaan and that they would die in the wilderness, meaning that their rejection of him as God excluded them from the right to inhabit the promised land. The people, it says that the people defiantly pushed on into the land of Canaan and the Amalekites and the Canaanites attacked and chased them back, drove them out. Why? Because God was not with them because he had, as they rejected him, he rejected them. They were no, those, that, that portion of people, that portion of people were no longer defined as his people and therefore no longer earned the, the right or had the right to inhabit the land of Canaan. So, let's pause there. Come back to modern day. Is Israel today God's chosen people? Well, as Christians, we argue that God's chosen people are um, would are are those who accept Christ as the Messiah. Let me be let me be very careful there. That doesn't mean that that the Jewish people and the Israelites are. Um, not God's people. Um, technically, anyone that descended from the 12 tribes of Israel are still God's special people. But are they, the tw- are they those that qualify? I think that's a better statement. Do they qualify to live in the land? Now, as Christians... Jesus Christ is the foundation of our faith. We recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah. I would argue that in order to qualify, you must accept that Jesus is the Messiah. And I would argue that, as it says, uh, so in Luke 10, 16, Jesus says that um, those who reject me reject the one who sent me. I'm paraphrasing, but he says, those who reject me reject the one who sent me. Now, if we were to argue this point, it would mean that by rejecting Jesus, which um, Judaism does, it says that they are still waiting for the Messiah. Therefore, those who practice Judaism have not accepted Christ as the Messiah, have rejected Jesus as the Messiah, and therefore, as Luke 10, 16 says, they have rejected him and therefore rejected the one who sent them. So they've rejected God. Now, if we go back to Numbers 14, those who have rejected God have been rejected by God and therefore do not qualify to live in the land and he will not be with them when they attempt to possess the land. So are, are we seeing, is what, we're, is what we are seeing evidence of people who have not 
accepted Jesus as the Messiah and who have been rejected by God facing the conflict that they are expected to face when they try to possess land that they are not they are not entitled to based on their rejection of God i hope that makes sense why do i say this we argue that we argue that um Jesus is the same today. Sorry, we say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Sorry, um, lost my train of thought for a second. Forgive me. Um, we say Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And his decisions stand through time. And therefore, if he in that position, Numbers 14 says, hey, Israelites, you are no longer qualified because you have rejected me. Does that not stand today to say that those who have rejected him today also do not qualify to enter and possess the land? So does that argument, my perspective, does that argument stand? Are they the, the argument Christians are given that, they, that, that Israel are justified in what they are doing? I, I'm struggling to see that. Um, I welcome anyone to to present another argument to, to me and debate that with me because I, you know, hey, I'm 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 open to learning. I'm open to discussion. I'm open to debate. Um, this is just as I said. This is daily perspective. This is my perspective. Um, is there a right side and a wrong side to this war? Of course, for me, there is a right side and a wrong side. There is a right way to fight a war. And that does not involve killing innocent people. Is Israel justified in how it is conducting itself? Do I believe they are fighting a fair war? Of course not. I can care less for the you know for the political motivations of this war and um i i'm struggling where i am struggling is the human casualties the loss of life the unjustified loss of life that is where i'm struggling i'm going to leave this topic there because i think um, there are going to be so many conflicting opinions, but this is my opinion. This is my perspective. This is my view. At the moment, from what I can see, I do not feel that the loss of life is justified. There is nothing that justifies that loss of life. And Israel, even if they wanted to, as they say, strike out Hamas from the world or whatever, do it without taking out innocent human beings, children, families that that just want to live their lives. Just my opinion. People will disagree, but hey, that is just my opinion. Anyway, um, let's uh, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. So, um, I call this segment soul searching. As I mentioned, I've been reading 
I'm doing the Bible in a year plan. And I've been reading um, Numbers is where I'm at. I, I'm at where I'm at Numbers. Um, obviously, in the last segment, I, I mentioned that. Um, but there was a point in Numbers that I found mad interesting. And it was... Um, so, in this section... Um, what I'm talking about is there are things sometimes that I come across in the Bible that, that make me ask, why, God? Why? I don't get it. Why? And there's this section in Numbers 5. Numbers 5, 11 to 31. And it's talking about marital faithfulness. And just for context, I will read it. Um, so it says, <laughs> and forgive me because sometimes I hate, hate reading out loud, but hey, hey ho, we're going to do this. It's a podcast. Um, protecting marital, protecting marital faithfulness. And the Lord said to Moses, give the following instruction to the people of Israel. Suppose a man's wife goes astray and she is unfaithful to her husband and has sex with another man, but neither her husband nor anyone knows about it. She has defiled herself, even though there was no witness and she was not caught in the act. If her husband becomes jealous and is suspicious of his wife, and needs to know whether or not she has defiled herself, the husband must bring his wife to the priest He must also bring an offering of two quarts of barley flour to be presented on her behalf. Do not mix it with olive oil or frankincense, for it is a jealousy offering, an offering to prove whether or not she is guilty. The priest will then present her to stand trial before the Lord. He must take some holy water in a clay jar and pour it into dust he has taken from the tabernacle floor. When the priest has presented the woman before the Lord, he must unbind her hair and place in her hands the offering of proof, the jealousy offering to determine whether her husband's suspicions are justified. The priest will stand before her holding the jar of bitter water that brings a curse to those who are guilty. The priest would then put the woman under oath and say to her, If no other man has had sex with you and you have not gone astray and defiled yourself while under your husband's authority, may you be immune from the effects of this bitter water that brings on the curse. But if you have gone astray by being unfaithful to your husband and have defiled yourself by having sex with another man, at this point the priest must put the woman under oath by saying, May the people know that the Lord's curse is upon you when he makes you infertile, causing your womb to shrivel and your abdomen to swell. Now may this water bring the curse. May, sorry, now may this water that brings the curse enter your body and cause your abdomen to swell and your womb to shrivel. And a woman will be required to say, Yes, let it be so. And the priest will write these curses on a piece of leather and wash them off and wash them off into the bitter water. He will make the woman drink the bitter water that brings on the curse. When the water enters her body, it will cause bitter suffering if she is guilty. 
the priest will take the jealousy offering from the woman's hand, lift it up before the Lord and carry it to the altar. He will take a handful of the flowers, a token portion, and burn it on the altar, and he will, requ- he will require the woman to drink the water. If she has defiled herself by being unfaithful to her husband, the water that brings on the curse will cause bitter suffering. Her abdomen will swell, and her womb will shrink, and her name will become a curse among her people. But if she has not defiled herself and is pure, then she will be unharmed and will still be able to have children. This is the ritual law for dealing with suspicion if a woman goes astray and defiles herself while under her husband's authority, or if a man becomes jealous and is suspicious that his wife has been unfaithful. The husband must present his wife before the Lord and the priest will apply this entire ritual law to her the husband will be innocent of any guilt in this matter but his wife will be held accountable for her sin so i finished reading that and i was like well damn um but the bit that got me was like it felt so one-sided um marital purity for me is not just the responsibility of my wife. Uh, marital purity, for me, also involves my responsibility. I hold myself accountable for maintaining purity in our marriage. Meaning, I have no right to be unfaithful to her. But I could find no evidence of um, I could find no evidence of this in this text. So I started thinking, well, what is the Bible's perspective on on a husband? Because I mean, this is a whole ritual here where. The woman's womb is going to shrivel up and her name will become a curse. And like she's done out here if she's caught. It's just point blank. But shouldn't the man also be done if if he's done the same? And, um, you know, there are texts that uh, Genesis 2.24, Matthew 19.6. Um, that present marriage as a covenant between one man and one woman. But then again, we know in the Bible that there are men that have multiple wives. Abraham had multiple wives. Whilst um, those were, he obviously, well, you'll hear he has his wife and then he has his concubines. Um, But um, Jacob married... Uh, Leah and Rachel. So he had two wives. Um, And within a biblical context, um, there was no marriage certificate. There was the act of marriage. By having sex with someone, you became that person's wife. 
Um, and that's why to, the, to this day, a marriage is not legal unless it's consummated. Um, it, you know, if you've never consummate, consummated the marriage, it does not legally stand because it requires, and I guess it upholds that um, view that the, the, the marriage act, sex is the marriage act that legalizes a marriage. Even though we have legal papers and, and you might be married on paper, um, anyway, going off course. Um, the Bible again in Proverbs six twenty five, Malachi two sixteen, it calls for both men and women to be faithful to their spouse. Uh, Ephesians five twenty one thirty three, twenty sorry, Ephesians five twenty one to twenty three talks about uh, marriage being built on a foundation of mutual love and respect. Um, the Bible speaks about men in terms of headship and leadership and their position for protecting, providing for and cherishing their wives. Back to my thing at the beginning where I said I had to um, spend more time with my family and, and focus on them rather than focus on me in their lives, if that makes sense. Um, love and selfish, selflessness, again, that servant leader um, modeling, modeling the love that Christ demonstrated for the church, modeling that in our marriage. Men are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church, sacrificing ourselves for our wives' well-beings, Ephesians 5.25. Um, but in the whole Bible, there is no explicit text that outlines a test of faithfulness that results in a husband being cursed. It, you know, it doesn't say anything like, you know, may he drink the water and then his nuts will shrivel up and and goodbye balls. Uh, you balls are out of here. Goodbye. No, no more kahunas. Um, there is no. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine that? It says, <laughs> uh, yeah, he drinks a bit of water and then, uh, yeah, your balls will shrivel up, but your um, your scrotum will swell to the size of a watermelon and you will be uh, a curse amongst the people. And you, but you will have these this swollen scrotum that you must then carry around for the rest of your life. Big, big melons that you must carry around for the rest of your life <laughs> imagine if i had texts like that that would be wild but um but 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 all jokes aside it would be warranted it you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be outrageous if it says for a woman that her womb will shrivel up and her abdomen will swell i mean there is no isn't that a worthy equivalent for men that are caught to be um, that are found to be unfaithful. Does a woman not have the right to suspect um, her husband and also have a jealousy offering and and perform a similar ritual? Um, because the Bible says that for this for this reason, a husband shall leave. A man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. I mean, you went looking for her. 
you take her away from her family and you bring her under your umbrella of covering and start this family. But, um, you know, so, but, you know, you, is this saying that because you're the one that went and got her and brought her into your family, you could do whatever the hell you want? I don't believe so. Um, and if a man goes outside of his marriage, has he not defiled himself? Now, if we take cultural context in at this point in time, there were men had multiple wives. Um, if a man slept with a, a virgin, she he could then go to her father and pay the bride the bride price for her, and she would become his wife. And it says, if a man takes on a second wife, he he has no right to to. Um, deny the first wife of her marital rights and to to treat her badly. So there are scriptures that arguably say that a man can have multiple wives, but still, does that then um, deny the woman to the right of having faithfulness in her marriage? Does that mean that because he can go out and get another wife, it means if he does and goes and sleeps with another woman and brings a hen in as his wife, that's not counted as being unfaithful? I mean, I'm just asking the questions here. And, um, you know, it, it was just something that, that stuck out to me. I'm not, I'm not saying... So, fellas, listen. Listen to me and listen to me carefully. I am not saying that this is justification for you to go out and be unfaithful in your marriage. Get that clear now. I am saying, though, that it's interesting. Now, um, I've met in my, in my life and, and over the last few years, I've spoken to and met a lot of men that are that uh, Christian men at that some were uh, some were pastors who have multiple wives live a life of polygamy. I just find it interesting that um, you know with all all that I've experienced and what I've people that I've come into contact with that I then stumble across this text and I've read this before it just didn't stick out to me at the time but it does now. Um, I just found it interesting. And it was one of those things that made me say, why God? Um, and these are the kind of things that I want to discuss in this segment of soul searching. Does it change my view on my faith and my Christianity? Of course not. Hell no. Um, I just find it interesting. And I'm one of those people that just finds these things interesting and it will make me go away and do some research. As far as I am concerned, the responsibilities of a husband still stand strong. In the way that the Bible says, husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Christ says that you should have, um, and that love should be reciprocated. We should not go out here and, um, and love multiple, you know. Christ has, Christ has one bride, the church. Simple. So if we say Christ has one bride, then we have one bride, our wives. So to me, I ain't got room for no one else. It's me and my wife and we rocking and that's us. We're doing our journey. We're doing our thing. 
That's that's the way it goes. Um, love her sacrificing myself. So sacrificing my wants and my needs and uh, not my needs, but sac- sacrificing my selfish desires. And some and I I believe going and taking another wife could be a, it could be considered a selfish desire. But the Bible says that in true marriage, in true relationship, you sacrifice that for the other person. So again, that would lead me to believe that the same stands for a man. Faithfulness means forsaking all others. It's even embedded in our vows, forsaking all others. So I guess for me, I know where I stand, but I just thought I'd present the text and just share and see what I'd love to hear other people's perspectives on that. But I just find, like I said, I find it interesting that there is this ritual called out for husbands suspecting their wives, but the inverse is not there. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. So, we are at the end of the first podcast for season three. Um, I mean, it came around quick. I'm I'm not even going to front. Yeah, I'm not going to front. It came around quick. It's been a long episode, longer than I thought. Longer than I expected. I guess I had more to say than I thought I actually did. Um, But... I'm glad to be back. I'm excited. Season three is going to be interesting. We're going to get into it. Let's get it popping. Um, I can't wait. So what are the takeaways? What are the takeaways? Um, Takeaways are, I'm glad to be back. I've got a new perspective. We've got a new structure. There's more focus. I'm about this. I'm dedicated to this. I want to do this. And I'm here to do this. And I hope you are here to rock with me. Um, Number two. Takeaway number two, my perspective, daily perspective on the Israel-Hamas war perspective is I'm on the side of life. I'm on the side of protecting innocent life. Point blank. Nothing else to be said. Point number three on my soul searching. Um, Hey, listen, whilst there is no explicit rule or, or no, 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 no. Let me let me rephrase that. Whilst there is no explicit ritual to test for marital faithfulness in men documented in the Bible, I do believe that God expects marital faithfulness from men. So men, 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 men. This is a podcast that um, I created for us as a safe space. Um, Whilst, we, whilst women are free to li- listen to this, I do, you know, bring that perspective from a, from a male perspective. Um, I want to also hold us, us as males. Because of that, I want to hold us as males accountable. So, cherish your wives. Take your vows ser- seriously. Do not disrespect the sanctity of your marriage. Because your marriage is a covenant between you, your wife, and God. Nothing more to be said. And with that, I am out of here. I appreciate you rocking with me. I'm not going to drag this out. Be blessed. And I will catch you in the next one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Imperfectly Human podcast. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast. You can do this on your favorite streaming platforms.